I'm Simon Faithful. I'm an artist and I'm also a professor at the Slade UCL. And recent work of mine has been thinking about our sort of precarious position on the planet and how entangled we are. People and nature are not separate. They're very much part of the same system. My name's Izzy Bishop. I'm a lecturer in ecology at UCL's People and Nature Lab at UCL East. So I'm part of the People and Nature Lab, which is headed up by my colleague, Kate Jones. And our research is all about the interactions between ecology and society. My sort of thinking in previous projects has been heading in this direction, but then had a, yeah, totally fascinating conversation with people in Nature Lab. And it was like a very sort of free-flowing discussion, getting excited about things, but really about how much we're interdependent, but also how much even in the most human-only anthropocentric place, the city, even within that, so-called nature is so adaptable that there's many species that have found small nooks and crannies to find perches within this. Space for nature can be quite small. It can be as simple as leaving a gap in your brickwork for a hedgehog to go through. That doesn't necessarily add a feeling of being in a green space, but it's a really, really simple thing that you can build in. Riffing about things came more to insects and the obvious insect to go to, where there's a whole, you know, massive tradition, was bees. That was how that sort of drifted into beekeeping. Then the next bit was the conversation with Dale and learning much more about bees. I'm Dale Gibson. My wife and I run Bermondsey Street Bees, which is a sustainable beekeeping practice. For a long time, we were based in the middle of London, just in Bermondsey Street. And in recent uh, times, just a year ago, we moved out to coastal Essex. We work on the basis of high knowledge and low intervention is our key guiding principles in beekeeping. Our primary focus is the welfare of the bees. Bees are really important pollinators. That's the key thing. And bees are not the only pollinators. Don't forget there's also wasps and flies and all these other things. All of these pollinators obviously are part of the reproductive system of plants. Plants we use as crops, so their pollinators are crucial for our food security. But also even those plants that we don't use as crops are the basis of every food chain. In terms of a, an insect to study or to communicate the connection we have with the natural world, the bee is a pretty strong candidate for opening up people's imaginations to the reality that this connection that Simon is striving to communicate is very vivid and very actively programmed into the modern world. And yet the bees have been doing this for 88 million years already and haven't changed a thing that they do in that period of time. So they're very successful, they're very established, and they're very connected. There were many things that I learned talking to Dale. So 
Originally, I was thinking about bats and birds and eels, wild creatures that inhabit the cities. And then I was trying to think of another species that could be quite quickly installed and be visible. And so the fungi came then later. Domestic bees, as I saw them, were a bit of a compromise to begin with. I guess I thought of them more like sheep, like they've been sort of domesticated. But that was a complete revelation to discover that actually it's only a sort of mutual interest pact, that the bees only stay for as long as they're happy with the conditions that they're living in. So if they're not, they'll go. The fact that it really is a collaboration between species is super interesting. We don't move our hives around. They live in the places they are. Simons will have a temporary four-week holiday in Docklands where we have two apiary sites because we have a relationship with the Royal Docks, which means that in these open, rewilded areas, we can have bees that are very successful uh, and not in any way uh, overstocked relative to the ability of the local habitat to support them and the other pollinators. That's why it won't be anything unusual to ask Simon's bees to uh, do what they do and to live in harmony with the community of human beings, of uh, microbes in their own gut and with the world at large around them in the Thames Barrier Park. When you think about the history of the docks, in my head, I imagine this really sort of bustling, lively place with a lot of activity. And the kind of activity that's hidden there that you don't see is the ecological activity. I suppose another thing that kind of aligns Simon's work with ours is this idea of making that invisible stuff visible. We do it through data and through trying to measure it and he does it through visualising it artistically. But I think that's a, just a really lovely alignment there. The importance of making this hidden world visible to people. The big local resource is, uh, unsurprisingly, the River Thames. Thinking of marginal areas like riverbanks and they're very prolifically fertile areas for bee fodder. So. If you go to where the River Lee comes into the Thames, down at the Limo Peninsula, you've got a huge nature reserve on that oxbow, which is isolated, has rows of acacia trees, lots of cherry plum forage, where you get the uh, tidal movement up and down. These banks of the rivers and the, the Thames, when it's not rigorously embanked, are very fertile areas for small, insignificant plants which give nectar, pollen and variety to the bees' diet. Okay, um, yeah, I guess maybe the river is that way, isn't it? Okay. My name's yeah. Dilawar. I work for Thames 21 as the Thames Connections Project Coordinator. Now, Thames 21 is an environmental charity and what we do essentially is restore, improve and maintain rivers and waterways all across London and the outskirts, so mainly the Thames and all its tributaries. So we have projects varying from things such as natural flood management, wildlife restoration and just getting rid of rubbish. So we organise and facilitate cleanups 
with our volunteers and we have a large number of volunteers, thousands in fact on a yearly basis, for citizen science programs. One of the big challenges we've got in rivers is that we've straightened them and narrowed them and we do that to stop flooding because we want to build right up to the edge of a river but actually when a river floods it's connecting to its floodplain and it's creating pools and marshy boggy bits and different habitats. Things that you can do that will never be done at the Royal Docks are things like re-meandering rivers and there's a lot of projects doing that at the moment. In places like the Royal Docks you can do smaller scale things where you put woody berms within the river channel. You're trying to create a kind of heterogeneity of habitats and heterogeneity of flows and that can be done on a very small scale or a very, very big scale. There's also the whole um, well-being aspect to it. So, you know, we know through recent research and especially through the pandemic, how being around nature really has positive impacts on people's well-being, whether it's mental or physical. And that's something that people get from it. I've personally experienced this myself, you know, when I've been running an event or even just participating and how great it makes me feel. You know, you could have a terrible night, for instance, but you can go and spend the morning by the river doing something like this. And it just makes you feel energised and uplifted. So people were quite keen on getting involved in cleanups. You know, they wanted to take stewardship of the local river and um, it also increased their sense of ownership and belonging to. So you don't have that sense of detachment where you have the riverside developments and sometimes people feel as though the river's not theirs. And that's one of the barriers that we also want to break. There's this phrase, hive mind, which is shorthand for loads of things, but the actual hive itself, having this kind of consciousness, I find really interesting. To position the bees, as it were, physically in Simon's head, we hope that, that is a very visual, emotional and imaginative way of communicating the connection that human beings have with the natural world via this very sociable, very happy and busy insect that mankind has lived with since the very first human walked on two legs and took a bite of a honeycomb. I guess the heads poetically make an analogy to how massively interconnected we are with all the other things on this planet. This audio postcard was produced by Lucia Scadzocchio from Social Broadcasts as part of Sea Change, commissioned by the Royal Docks team in collaboration with University College London and curated by Invisible Dust. Featuring the voices of Simon Faithful, Dale Gibson, Dr. Izzy Bishop, and Dilawa Hussein from Thames 21.